historic moment. Raptors win. Fans and welcome to episode 27 of the DNVR Raptors podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I think we have a great show for you guys today. Um, be my first one with a guest in a while, just because all the this coronavirus stuff, I haven't really been able to go out and lock down any interviews. But I, I finally uh, got my act together. Um, I got Joe Harvey on the show of Talking Rugby Union and Major League Rugby. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about Joe in a second here. Uh, but but it was a good interview. We talked for about 30 minutes. That's why this episode's a little bit longer than usual, but I'm glad because it's, I feel like they've been pretty dry lately. So um, before we do that, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about on what's been going on at the Major League 2020 Virtual Tournament and also be talking a little bit about the list I've been putting together over these last two weeks. I'll be doing for three more weeks. So with that, let's just jump right in. Uh, so Mika Kruse and Blake Rogers have been representing the Raptors throughout the, the Major League Rugby 2020 virtual tournament. And unfortunately right now for them are riding a two-match losing streak. Uh, Mika took a tough loss on Saturday to his old buddy Will McGee of the Austin Gilgronies. Um, Will is obviously a guy who spent a long time with the Raptors, so that was a fun one to watch because there was a lot of good banter. Um, and then on Tuesday took a tough loss to the uh, uh, excuse me the Utah Warriors and Alex Tucci in the final seconds of the match. It was it was actually pretty entertaining as far as uh, video game uh, rugby matches go. Mika was holding them on the goal line there at the end, and, and Alex and the Warriors punched one in with with Uruguay, um, lost by one point. So a quick side note about Alex Tucci. He used to play football at Colorado State, go Rams, where uh, during the Jim McElwain days, and, and he told a couple good stories about playing for CSU on the Twitch broadcast on Tuesday. So if you haven't checked that out, I would go check it out. It was pretty funny listening to that, especially now uh, that we know what we know about Jim McElwain, kind of a, a tough guy. He liked to like to bark at people, and Alex told some good stories about that. So make sure you go check that out. I'm recording this on a Thursday, so round the last match of round four will be tonight, and then uh, – that will consist of, let me check my schedule really quick. Last match of round four will be NOLA versus Rugby ATL. And then San Diego and Austin will close out the, the rest of the night. So that's kind of what's going on. Then round five will wrap on Saturday. Every team will play on Saturday. Uh, Mika and Blake are sitting at two and two right now. We'll have one more match, obviously, on Saturday to try to sneak into the playoffs with the San Diego Legion, against the San Diego Legion. Um, but it's not looking so good for them right now. So... Uh, make sure you tune in to watch that, twitch.tv backslash Major League Rugby. Obviously, they're doing it all for a good cause. They're trying to raise five grand for the Feeding America COVID-19 fund. So donating some money to some food banks that for some people that could really uh, use it right now. I know as of Tuesday, they had donated uh, just over $3,000. I didn't see the number from yesterday. And that's just me, bad prep on my part for the podcast, but... Um, so that's kind of what's going on with that. Again, make sure you go check it out on Saturday, and then I obviously will update you with the playoff information once all that stuff plays out. So before we jump into that interview with Joe Harvey of Talking Rugby Union and Major League Rugby, I um, want to remind you guys about the top 10 Raptors matches list that I've been making these last two weeks. So the first two came out last week. 
Um, today's Thursday, so I put my third one out yesterday on Wednesday, and then my fourth one will come out tomorrow on Friday. That'll be uh, number seven on the list, so we'll have six uh, six more to go after that. Um, and it's been it's been really fun to go back and watch some of these old games. It's obviously games I watched uh, live and really haven't gone back to watch since. Um, but but it's been fun making this list. We had our first two DNVR watches campaigns on Saturday and Sunday last weekend. So thank you to the to the people that followed along and participated in that. Um, it was fun interacting with you guys and seeing uh, seeing some new rugby fans join the get the bug, catch the bug, and and join the club. Um, so again, we'll be doing that again this weekend. Um, number seven was yesterday. Like I just excuse me, number eight was yesterday. Like I just mentioned. Um, and that was the Raptors' thrilling win over Rugby United New York last year in 2019. Um, it was an important match. If you check, make sure you check out my article. It's an important match because Raptors were uh, coming off a big loss to San Diego Legion the week before. Um, they were they were getting ready for a home stretch, a really important home stretch that if they wanted to make the playoffs, needed to start with the win versus Rooney. Rooney was right above them in the table. Um, it, was, it was just an awesome game. Came right down to the end. Chad London uh, threw a dummy, gave a big stiff arm, and snuck through the Rooney defense to score the game-winning try right at the buzzer. It was a really good game. Uh, make sure you go check that out. Read about why it was important. I, I give a little game recap after the fact, um, what the significance was in terms of playoff standings, um, all that type of stuff. And, I, and I've linked the broadcast into the post. So if you can't watch it with us on Saturday, that, one, that watch party would be on Saturday at 10 a.m., um, make sure you check it out on your own. Obviously, my, my uh, seventh Raptors match of all time will come out tomorrow on Friday, so I won't I won't uh, blow the secret for you, but make sure you check that out uh, when it comes out, and then we'll be having a watch party for that on Sunday at 12 noon. So if 10 a.m. is a little too early for you, make sure you come check it out with us on Sunday at noon. Um, I think most of the DMVR people will be participating, so it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. So... Uh, make sure you've been checking those out, following along. I'll do a better job of talking about them just kind of as we've been moving forward. But this week, I wanted to make sure I locked down some interviews for you guys because I know you're probably sick of me just talking to myself for 15, 20 minutes every every episode. And uh, to be honest, I'm sick of talking to myself. So it was nice to talk to somebody else for a while. And that somebody else, like I've mentioned, has been Joe Harvey. Um, he's a rugby union journalist for Talking Rugby Union and Major League Rugby. He's a guy I had the chance to work with a little bit last year when I was with Major League Rugby. Just an all-around great guy. Um, knows the sport inside and out. He's done a great job covering rugby really as a whole um, in its entirety. So I know he, he you'll learn in the, in the interview, but he, he's a guy living in the U.K. He's from Canada, grew up in the U.K., lives over in the U.K. So he's got his uh, finger on the pulse of rugby just really in general, whether it's from the Premiership to the Six Nations to MOR. Um, he does a good job keeping his thumb on the pulse. And so it was fun to get him on, talk a little bit about uh, what's been going on in the quarantine lifestyle, um, his thoughts on Major League Rugby this season, and, and just some of the, the guys that he caught his eye and, and had good season. So it was good talking to Joe. Um, I will apologize in advance because, as tend to happen, I'm sure you're all learning this as you're working remotely, um, working with this technology. Technology can kind of be a pain sometimes. Um, so towards the end of the interview, around the 25-minute mark of the interview, Joe starts to cut in and out a little bit. I try to clean it up as best I could, but I'm not a very good editor. Um, so sorry about that. But you hear a little bit about uh, Joe becoming a New York, Gi- or excuse me, New York Jets fan, which is a, a tough life to live. So 
Um, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Joe Harvey 34, I believe his handle is. Let me double check that before I proceed. I want to make sure I'm giving him the shine he deserves because he took time out of his day to come talk to me. So yeah, make sure you check him out on Twitter, Joe Harvey 34. Um, giving some crap about being a Jets fan, but make sure you read his work. Uh, convince him to come over on the uh, Broncos train. So it's, uh, it sounds like it kind of put the bug in his ear, but I guess uh, only time will tell. So I guess with that introduction, we'll go ahead and kick it to my interview um, with journalist for Talking Rugby Union and Major League Rugby, Joe Harvey. All right, now we welcome on to the show Joe Harvey. He's a rugby union journalist um, in the UK. He works for MLR, Talking Rugby Union. He's really covering rugby uh, all over the place. So Joe, how's it going? Very well, Colton. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you holding up over there? Oh, you know, it's it's obviously a weird time in the world, and I think everyone's going through some stage of it. It's kind of, for me, I'm just leaving the house less, which it, you, well, I wasn't leaving a tremendous amount before, to be honest. Right. Yeah, no, it's been it's been crazy stuff. What what are like some of the rules over there? Like I know here they don't want you in groups of more than like four. Um, you got to stand six feet apart. Is there like some regulations over there? I'm sure. Yeah, so we we've, we've got the two meters apart, six feet um, thing. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of been in place for about maybe two, getting on to three weeks now. Right. Um, but our our social gatherings, anything more than two is um, frowned upon unless it's within people, like with people from your own household. Right. Um, so that's that's probably the big the big key difference. If you walk in with two or <laughs> if you're in groups of two or more, you. Uh, you face the the risk of getting fined or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's it's been crazy. So what's kind of what's quarantine life been for you? I know you just said you haven't really been uh, leaving too much, but what what have you been watching? What have you been reading? Oh, there's a question. Um, so reading, I, I just kind of stick to what I usually read, which is generally rugby articles, because uh, uh, that's kind of the, the the bulk of my life. Right. Um, I, I read. I read a bit about Alan Bennett, who's a who's an English writer who wrote stuff like the history boys I, I read one of his books quite often nice uh, and then just netflix you just get onto netflix and there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot to get through there yeah i was gonna ask you so i stumbled across uh this this show on netflix that you might be familiar with it's called people just do nothing do you know that show oh yes i do yes yeah i'm, I'm like three episodes in I'm, i think i'm hooked so it's been pretty funny it's an amazing show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the rest of it then. You, you watch Tiger King? Has Tiger King been the thing over there? So, yeah. So Tiger King's huge here, and uh, it seems like everyone I know wants to talk about it. But I remember, I, I don't know if you know him, there's a, there's a documentarian who works at the BBC, a guy called Louis Theroux. Uh-uh. Uh, so basically he, he does those kind of documentaries, but on a smaller thing. And he actually interviewed or was around Joe Exotic in 2011. Yeah. Um, so that's probably what two, three years before wow. the, the documentary started on this one. And um, so I was kind of aware of Joe Exotic, and it was weirdly fairly recently that I read up about him and knew that he was being indicted for, for things that uh, that he's now serving time for. All the stuff, yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of crazy, and I, I watched, I I got through it all fairly recently, and yeah, it's crazy, it's amazing. Yeah, I was talking to Luke White yesterday actually about all this, and he was saying that. Um, him and his fiance had kind of stumbled upon this a few months ago and there was like a Wondery podcast out about it. So he's like, I had already knew about this. And then I like when it first came out on Netflix a few few days before everybody kind of jumped in on it, 
He's like, I watched it up. So, I, I, I mean, I had no idea this dude existed before. But I do know that they, they have been saying a bunch of his tigers from his zoo are at this sanctuary in Colorado. And I actually went on a field trip there when I was a senior in high school. So oh, wow. <laughs> I think that was, again, a little before the all the tigers got moved and stuff. But a little fun fact there. So I guess with that, um, oh, I got one more one more quarantine question. What's the first thing you're doing when quarantine's over? Oh, um, I don't know the, le- the, the listenership of this podcast, but I'm, I'm probably going to go drinking. <laughs> I think everybody, uh, I know DNVR, our biggest uh, partnership is is Breckenridge Brewery. So there, there's a lot of beer drinkers on here. Oh, well, well, if, if the brewery want to send me something in a few, <laughs> uh, in a few months, uh, it will get consumed rather sharply. Yes. No, I agree with you, though. Um, I'm looking forward to this being over as well. So, all right, with that, I guess we're just trying to jump into the to the nuts and bolts of it. So how did you get into writing about rugby? God, oh, right. So, yeah, it kind of started out. Um, so I was at university. I went to the University of Derby, which is um, in the East Midlands of the UK. Um, I'm trying to think where it kind of is geographically for, for people, for me to reference, <laughs> to make it a bit easier because um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. But I, I basically um, I started writing about it because... It, I found it easy to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely a lot easier than having to learn about politics or something like that, for example. Whereas rugby had been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Right. Um, my my dad played, and my mum she was a big rugby league fan, which is a different aspect of the sport. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was always there, and then just kind of, you know playing as a kid and then growing up kind of falling in and out I love the sport I played a lot of soccer and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so yeah and and just writing about it, it was easy we had to do a review um and I wrote a review on Ireland's game against Canada which uh-huh. was an awesome international that's kind of what started it yeah I remember I distinctly remember being in sports bar and, and Canada actually leading for I think about 15 minutes of that game it was it was a good good 15 minutes as I remember it because didn't you, did you study abroad in Canada? Is that right? No, no, I um, no. So I was I was born in Mississauga, Ontario. Oh, okay. Um, and then left. I think when I was I was barely walking. I came back over here to the UK, and I've and I was meant to be on a flight about this time next week on my way to Toronto. But everything that's happened has happened, and right. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a Canadian passport and all that kind of stuff as oh, well. Okay. I, I think that's where the interest of North American rugby started. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you, you mentioned I, one of the people I work for is Talking Rugby Union. And uh, the week I started with them was the first weekend of MLR. Okay. Um, so just I, kind I, of like, like right the right time then. Yeah. And I, I started writing like these weekly roundups of the games and stuff like that, finding website i couldn't i couldn't even tell you the name of the website now that actually had all like the school cards on them yeah um and obviously like all the names that were coming into it were like brand new to me they they were brand new to a lot of people in the rugby world for sure and yeah i just started doing that and then yeah so that was when i was 19 19 i started doing all that wow yeah that's i mean that's kind of crazy stuff because especially trying to keep up with it on on really so, I mean, you, it's a seven-hour difference for you and I, but um, how has that been, staying up all night, watching all these games? Oh, yeah. There's, I, I've got to be honest. I've never I've never made it for a Seattle game. Um, <laughs> I, that is, that's uh, all right. 
Yeah, it's, especially the Seattle home game. Like I've watched like Seattle games when they played on the East Coast for and sure. stuff like that. But um, yeah, I can't, I can't stay up for that time difference. It's, it's that's um, it. That's how it was for me trying to watch World Cup this year, like trying to write the stuff for MLR. Just they're playing at 4 a.m. Like, oh, that man, that killed me. So it's going to be the same for the Olympics next year. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Uh, We'll get through, though. Um, So I know you kind of keep an eye on on rugby everywhere in general, but especially MLR. So I just kind of want to get your opinion on what, what do you thought about the season that the Raptors had, um, albeit a very shortened one, but. Um, I know, like they started pretty slow, started really turning around those last two weeks, and we're, we're really t- trending upwards. I just kind of want to get your opinion on what you thought about that season. Oh yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously we're looking at a much smaller kind of sample size than we usually would be. Um, right. Because obviously we, we usually have these conversations what in July, something like that. Right. And, um, it's much, but like it's like you say, it was a slow start, and but the thing is that that can largely be attributed to new coaching staff mm-hmm. kind of getting adapting to a new way of playing obviously the way that MLR has been there's been not a high turnover of players at every team not in the off season but there's been there has been a significant turnover in that you're having to learn new people's names every what every year right every few months and um but the thing is that win against Toronto the 1922 win mm-hmm. um that was that was a great sign of where the team was going and obviously it's a, it's a huge shame that Raptors fans won't be able to see where they could have taken it from there, but I think that was the sign that the club had turned the corner and was actually adapting to situations well. They'd mm-hmm. learned who they were as players. They were kind of just more ready to to kick on from that point. And but I think it was obviously a slow start. Probably would you'd probably describe it as a bit indifferent at the start because, yeah. the, especially the manner of the loss to Houston, that was like. That was not the start, obviously, that anyone was expecting for them, yeah. especially when you look at historically how Houston have started seasons. Right. Um, but no, I think I think things were on an upward curve, and if a lot of the if the, a lot of the personnel stays the same ahead of 2021, I think that would stand the Raptors in great stead going into that season. Right. Yeah, and I know um, just from being around the team, and I was talking to to Pete Borlase and, and some of these players, like it was very realistic, like there was a lot of the New Zealand guys that had showed up literally three weeks before they kicked off in Houston. Um, and especially with like a guy like Renee Ranger, who I'll ask you about in a little bit here. He, he was a guy literally, he showed up on Monday night. Um, I saw him at the facility on Tuesday morning, jumped on a plane on Friday, like played a match on Saturday. So yeah, I think you were kind of seeing like people were really starting to get comfortable in, in the system and, and with each other. And I really do think it, w- it was going to start trending upward. I was excited about, um, they they kind of had taken care of business at home and we're getting ready to go on a couple big road games. Um, so just like you said, it's a shame that uh, we didn't get to see how how it all played out. But um, I'm I'm thankful that we did get to see what we did get to see, I guess. So and I know you just kind of talked about personnel a little bit. Um, was there anybody on the team uh, that kind of caught your eye that was playing pretty well? Yeah, yeah. There was a few actually. There was you know the one that probably stands out most to me is someone like Robbie Petzer, mm-hmm. who was so consistent, was so consistent for the team, kicked his goals extremely well, took the ball to the line well, was attacking threat, as well as an incredibly intelligent, kind of what I'd probably describe as a footballer, in that he, you know, he kind of can do each part of the game 
extremely well. And yeah, I thought he was great. I thought Mika Cruz was really good. Um, Mason Emerson as well. And Mason Emerson was one of those that I saw consistently yeah. kind of growing each week. And I think, I actually think the influence of someone like Rene Rager could be seen on that. And Mika Cruz is just raw talent. I don't know what he's like as a, as a guy, but he's, he's a, he's obviously got a lot of talent there. And yeah, We've we've seen him grow. I mean, how old was he when the first year? Nineteen. I think he's nineteen. Like yeah, no, no, that's one thing a lot of people say about him. Um, I was watching the MLR twenty twenty virtual and they played Will McGee last Saturday, and that's one of the things Will said is like, I'm in awe when I watch Mika play just because he is so young and and he's so good, and it looks like he's really not even trying. Whereas the rest of us, it looks like we're trying really hard. We're not nearly as good as him at his age. So. Was it Mika who ran in the try against Toronto from the kickoff? Yeah, he did. Scooped up the ball off like the muff the kickoff and, and ran. And that, I mean, that kind of that changed the whole game. I figured that was like the win in play. Yeah, that was that was definitely when you could see that Toronto maybe, you know, because because the, the thing is the first half hadn't gone hadn't gone Colorado's way at all. No. Um, yeah, you're right. It so, was it was like a lot of missed opportunities and um, should have been should have been. I mean, they should have had a, a bigger lead, I thought, heading into the half, and and that was kind of the flip the momentum play right on the other side of the half that kind of just kind of catches you flat-footed. Yeah, and that's because the thing is, the belief you get as a team from something like that is ridiculous because you're just thinking, right, well, that's come from nowhere. We weren't expecting that, but our teammates now have really given us a fighting chance here, and that was the greatest platform that the Raptors could have had really to beat Toronto. Yeah. I know you talked about a guy like Mason too, and, and it's it's so difficult. I'm sure you you're well aware of this. Just not being able to watch any of the the preseason work, um, because obviously that's still like very unstructured. And um, but but a guy like Mason is somebody that, I mean, I think you can look back at the stuff he he done with Hawks Bay and stuff. But I don't you don't really get the the full understanding to the type of player that he is until you watch him play. And even in that first match against Houston really get a, a taste of how shifty he was and how involved in all these plays he was. He was always looking for work. And, um, yeah, he's another another guy. I would have to agree with you. There was a lot of fun to watch this year. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, th there's so much to be said for, for, for players, especially like backs. You know, it's very easy for backs to kind of stand out there and just wait for the ball to come for them. But when backs go to the ball, it, that's when things really, you know, that's when they create issues for defences and, it's really difficult to defend against when you've got people like that who are so willing to come at you full pelt and not really be concerned about their own safety as much as you should be every day. And, you know, and, and that is the most paramount thing is player welfare. But when they want to win that much, it's so difficult to come up against players like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, another guy we talked about a little bit earlier is Renee Ranger. I was just kind of wondering what you thought about uh, the season that he was having before the world stopped spinning. Yeah, um... Gosh, yeah. You know, obviously, Rene Range is someone who, whatever environment he's gone into, he has been consistently one of the top performers in the team, whether that's been the Auckland Blues, La Rochelle, wherever he's gone, he's been one of the top performers in a team. And bringing a guy with those kind of experiences who has all black caps mm -hmm. into an environment that is, it, it's probably fair to say it's a, it's a burgeoning professional environment still. Yeah, three years in, bringing someone like that whose whole life, whose whole career has been in these high-performing professional environments, that's only going to be good for for the Raptors. And 
you know, you can see that week on week, his influence on the team, his professionalism has probably been rubbed off on. Like, the, we, you know, we talk about Mika Cruz. His professionalism has probably helped Mika and will help Mika in the long run. And maybe even in 10 years when, when Mika eventually hits 30, mm-hmm. he'll be saying that um, a lot of that's down to the influence of Rene Ranger. Even just watching him, they don't necessarily have to talk to them. They can just look at him out on the training field. And um, that would really, you know, he's 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 a brilliant player. He's always been a brilliant player. And he right. was having a really good season, actually. Yeah, it was a shame. I feel like him, too, was especially a guy that was really hitting a stride right before all this uh, came down. Um, but I know, too, just I only had the chance. I talked with him a couple times. He, he was a, actually like a really, really quiet guy. Um really did not, not say a whole lot, but you could tell just that, like the influence he had on the field, even just like on the broadcast in between in between plays, um, he really did kind of speak up and, and you could see him getting after some guys. Um, and and I, like I said, I think he was another guy really hitting his stride. And I know he, I think it was that second or third week, I think the, the San Diego game, uh, he had a little hamstring issue, so he missed some time with that. And it's just getting healthy again and uh, really, really making a lot of good plays. So I'm, I'm sad again. Sad we couldn't see how that played out. Um, I guess kind of moving into the next one, though, if you had to pick an MLR MVP after uh, however many weeks, six weeks, who, who would you pick? Right. Uh, so, so I had to, had to think about this one because, I, you know, I had a feeling it was going to come up. Yeah. And I, I've written to hell four names. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm all ears. So the first one is Kenny, Kenny Nasakeke. Mm-hmm. who was playing number eight for San Diego. Yeah. Um, who He was playing in the second row in the locks last season for the, for, the, for most of the last season. And then he was moved to number eight this year. And I think in terms of like his his output levels, he was breaking lines. He was, he was really giving defenders big problems when he had the ball in hand and was attacking. Um, I think when you see a player shift from well shift roles like that, you don't really expect to see them as explosive as he was, and he he was brilliant. He was brilliant, and he's a you know he's a local guy, he's a California guy, and yeah, that's kind of what Major League Rugby will become is 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 this place for for local kids to thrive, uh-huh. um, and I think that's a great sign of the future. I just thought he was brilliant every game I saw him in. Yeah. Um, and then I've also got down Jason Robertson, the old glory fly half. Yeah. He was um, a point scoring machine so so far. Yeah, he 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 was the reason that old glory were where they were in the standings when, you know, things things uh, went dark, I suppose. Um yeah, he was brilliant. A great, great signing by Old Glory. And I hope I actually do hope that he comes back next year for for you know a bigger taste of it because he yeah, he was great, and I think he brought all that Southern Hemisphere knowledge yeah. to DC. And you know, because Tendai and Tuareva wasn't exactly fit the entire time, and he was, you know, struggling with an injury by the looks right. of things. For um, Jason to to put the team on his back the way he did um, was brilliant to watch, and he he was the reason they were doing so well. I mean, you, obviously, there's there's a team effort that goes into it, but there's got to be a guy hoping uh-huh. that the whole the whole stadium's silent and he can kick those points and do a really good job. For Certainly. Them. Um, he also got down Tommy De La Vega, the Toronto back row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uruguayan was, you know, 
he, I, I just don't know what to say about him. He, he made his tackles. This is more, you know, we're talking about Kenny, who was playing back row for San Diego. We're now going to, and I was talking about his attacking prowess. As much as De La Vega was brilliant in attack and scored a couple of tries, the consistency of his defence was just staggering to see the amount of tackles he was making week in and week out. And not seeing a dip in performance every week I saw him play, which I think I probably watched him play six times, actually. Yeah. Um, unless he missed, I feel like he missed a game, but I could be I could be wrong on that one. I've got a notepad near me that could tell me more accurately. But, um, <laughs> That's all right. Uh, he, yeah, he was he was fantastic to watch. And then the final one is Con Foley of Nola. Yeah. Um, former Australia Sevens Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The reason that he's in there is because he he's he's a centre, so he usually plays twelve or thirteen um, for anyone that's learning about rugby. And yeah. he played a couple of games in there, and then was moved to nine, which is the scrum half position, which basically means that he's got to distribute ball as more than anyone on the pitch. Right. And for a player to be transitioning from twelve thirteen, where you you touch the ball a fair amount, but you don't touch it loads and loads to be distributing the ball, it's a complete change of position and it's a complete change of skill set. And right. I think that showed how important he was to Nola and the trust that the guys, you know, in New Orleans had in him to to basically lead the team and, you know, it shows his skill set and shows what a good rugby player he is. For sure. Um, I know with, and, the, with yeah. the Raptors too, like the when they would get into, I, I thought a lot what worked with their attack is when they would really get into the deep into the phases and that often be kind of what undid the phases was when um, Carlo or Nick Boyer or um, anybody else, any, any non-scrum half would start distributing the ball that would kind of unravel the, the attack. And that's kind of where the, the turnovers would happen. So um, just to kind of, to back you up on your point there a little bit, that is pretty impressive to be able to switch from the centers to a, to a halfback right there in the middle of the season like that. Yeah, it was it was incredible, and and I, and I had that moment of looking at the team sheets when they came out, and was like, Confolo's playing nine. You have you have to say that three four times just to process it, <laughs> yeah. because it is such a ridiculous change of position. Right. Um, um, yeah. So that, those were my four potential MVPs. Obviously, the way that it's done by MLR is that you have a forward and a back generally. So, right. You, you know, you can take a selection from those two, I suppose. <laughs> That's a, that's a very solid list, Joe. I appreciate the, the effort you put into that for me. Um, it's okay. I've got time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, so I guess kind of moving moving along here, if you had to pick like the, the biggest surprise of the, the 2020 MLR season thus far, like what would it be? And this could you could literally take this any direction, I guess. And I know um, I didn't really prepare you for this one at all, but I guess it could be, could it be the slow start that kind of Seattle got off to? Could it be... Um, could it be how well Ma Nanu played through the first five six weeks? Could it be the the, the Toronto Arrows start? W- w- if you had to pick one thing just off the top of your head, which would you pick? Do you know what the Seattle slow start was probably the most shocking thing <laughs> that that really that really happened, right? And, and made me look at the, you know when you look at team sheets and you think a lot of these are the guys that have been with them the entire time and they were adding guys like Ross Neal and yeah. uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head they were adding guys that played premiership rugby here in the UK and were still quite young um, and then to see them not gel in the way that they had done previously that was that was hugely surprising and hugely shocking for me Yeah. Um, especially when you know when you do these kind of 
at the start of the season you do these little things where you where you say to yourself, well, it, Seattle are going to be up there. They're going to be one of the teams that that potentially will win it because it's Seattle. They've right. won it twice. And so, yeah, to see them not winning was a shock. Um, I can't say I was massively shocked by Toronto's start. Yeah. Um, just because they brought so many of the same guys back. Uh-huh. Um, it would have been really, yeah, I'd, I'd found it really hard to say that they weren't going to be good. Marnonu was, you know, he was he was obviously brilliant. Let's, you know, let's just right. say that first and foremost. And I think <laughs> that that wasn't the biggest of shocks to me because there was an out of chance he was going to be at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I can't say that was a huge shock, but it was great to see Marnonu. On a, on, a, on a rugby field in the States. Yeah, it's one it of those was... things that 10 years ago you would have never believed. No, for sure. And I know, too, just kind of one thing off the top of my head, and I think it was week two uh, when the Raptors did play the Legion. It was like Nanu, Ranger um, facing off against each other. I did notice a lot more just publicity kind of worldwide. Some of these some of these uh, publications that had never really talked about MLR before um, were paying a lot closer attention. I thought that was really good for just – the league and, and the sport in general. Well, yeah, it's the equivalent of David Beckham joining the LA Galaxy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all those years ago, it, it just shines a new light having these. They range essentially up. Huge and, you know, and they're having M12 as well. That was a huge, you know, as much as it is great for a team, it's a huge marketing thing as well to say you've got a world cup winner or you know in the case of nonu two-time world cup winner in your team and it does it draws in local press it draws in national press it draws in international press and i think ground for for these kind of guys right i think having those guys does put bring a certain spotlight on it and does bring in new fans yeah for sure all right, Joe, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up. I guess before we do, I got to I gotta ask you, I know we talked about this during football season, but can you explain to the to the good people that listen to the show how you became a New York Jets fan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, stand by. Uh, so essentially, they, they, had a Lon- they had a London game. Uh, and obviously, it's a bit easier for me to watch the London games. Right. Um, so I watched the London game, and essentially the Jets won. Um, and I just went, well, they're the one that they're the ones that won today, so I'll follow them. But I, I, I love the Newcastle Falcons in the English Premiership over here, or or Newcastle United in this, in this. Yeah, it, it's a fan, but it's it's not my most passionate one. <laughs> That's fair. I think we got to get you on the Broncos train there. So um, when this all gets straight now, we might have to do a little uh, kit exchange or something. You pick your uh, your premiership team, and I'll, I'll just send you some Broncos stuff. Well, orange is my favorite color, so that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, all right. I think we're halfway there then. All right, Joe, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. No, thank you very much for having me. I really, I really appreciate the call. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Joe Harvey. Um, again, big thank you to Joe for taking time out of his day to come chat with me for a little bit. It was nice to talk to somebody else, um, especially somebody on really, uh, not the other side of the world, but kind of on the other side of the world, just to get his perspective on things and see how things are going. So, like I said, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Harvey 34 
Uh, make sure you're checking out his work because he, d- he does a lot of good work. I know he, he gave a couple previews off the record that I'll, I'll let him uh, send out when the time is right, and I'm looking forward to some of that stuff too. So I'll make sure I'll share that. Make sure you guys go and check out his stuff. So, All right, guys, I just want to remind you again, uh, make sure you're following along with the top 10 Raptors matches list. Check out the one I put out yesterday. Check out the one I'm going to put out tomorrow. Um, and then please join us for the watch party this weekend. Remember to tune in on the fun. Hashtag DNVR watches. Um, keep it locked at DNVR underscore Raptors or at Colton Strickler. That's my personal account. Uh, make sure you check in there for um, updates on instructions on how to participate. Um, it'll be a good time. I know I had a good time watching it, and now I'll have a better time. More people chime in. So uh, the more the merrier. If you don't know rugby at all, this is a good chance to learn. If you do know, this is a good chance to look back on some of the, the fun memories and, um, yeah, just just try something new, right? If, if it's – if it's I think, it, like I mentioned on the last show, Andrew Mason I saw on Twitter said, if I haven't seen it, it's new to me. So there's nothing else going on, no sports. Might as well try to learn something new, right? See if something else piques your interest. So, um, again, like, like always, guys, thank you for listening. That's my show. Make sure you're taking care of yourself, and I'll catch you guys tomorrow.